Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We do this every year. We're in this series called First Fruits. And what this is all about is this. Simply put, it's all about putting God first. Matthew 6.33 says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And we know all these things shall be added. I've, I've heard it said before like this, that when you put God first, you'll never come out last. That when you know, hey, God, I'm putting you first in my life. And that's what our prayer is during this fast and as we begin this year, that, that the best thing you and I can do is to put God first. Amen? So what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at the first fruits that the world produced after the flood of Noah. The first fruits that the world produced after the flood of Noah, and I believe that there's a message in here as well that God will speak to somebody through. Genesis chapter 8, verse 6 through 12. If you're there, say, I'm there. Let's do it, y'all. It says this, So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. He sent out a raven. Can somebody say raven? Which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove. Can somebody say a dove? To see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her feet. And she returned into the ark to him. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and he drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days. And again he sent out the dove from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And I didn't know this until I looked into it. Believe it or not, an olive is a fruit. I thought it was a vegetable. It's a fruit. Brought it back, and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. The message title for today is this, Two Birds and One Storm. Two birds and one storm. About five years ago or so, I preached a message similar to this. And as I was getting ready for this Sunday, I felt like the Holy Spirit brought that back to remembrance and changed a number of different things. And I pray that it will just be helpful for you today. Because here's our prayer, that today, this will be the day that the church is edified, hell is horrified, and Jesus is glorified. Amen? Come on, can can we just pray together? Lord Jesus, thank you for today. We thank you for your word. God, we just pray that you would speak to us. Open up our hearts to receive, God. We love you so much in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and bless the Lord with a hand clap, a praise, an ovation, a worship on your way back to your seat. I'm going to take a seat with you as well just to slow down a little bit. We can conversate and I want to teach a little bit. I heard Pastor Alex say before like this that whenever... You teach, you're telling, but when you preach, you're yelling. Sometimes I like to do both where I teach and preach. I call it treaching. So we're going to treach a little bit. We're just going to be in the flow of what God wants to do. Anybody in here ever been in a wedding before as far as besides your own wedding? um, Maybe you were a groomsman or you were bridesmaid. Can you you raise your hands real quick? Or what about a maid of honor or or maybe the best man? Uh, Say a prayer for me in Brooklyn. We have about four, five weddings within the first quarter of this year, and we're in about three of them <laughs> uh, when it comes to 
uh, being a groomsman or a bridesmaid. So, you know, I'm so thankful and excited somebody asked me that. But my wallet sometimes, like, okay, get ready. Sorry, saving, you know. And I, I will never forget whenever I was the best man, I was asked to be the best man at my best friend's wedding, my brother-in-law, Pastor CJ, whenever he married my sister. And I won't ever forget that moment whenever he had asked me uh, to be his best man. And, I, you know, it's funny enough, the whole groomsmen party pretty much come here to Riverside because it was Pastor Alex, it was me, Pastor Josh, it was my little brother, Josh, and then it was his other brother-in-law as well. But, you know, part of the responsibility of being the best man is throwing the bachelor party. So I had this whole thing planned out. Uh, we went to, to Austin, Texas, and uh, don't worry, we had my little brother with me also. We're all pastors, so clean fun. But what we did was uh, we went, and I did some of Pastor CJ's favorite things. We went golfing. We ate at a steakhouse, a Brazilian steakhouse. We treated, I treated my boy that day. We had the green card, the red card. They kept on, anybody ever been to one of those before? It's a luxury, y'all. It's crazy. We went axe throwing, one of the manless things that you could do. We played some video games back at the Airbnb. And then we were there for one night in the morning time. I said, bro, I got to take you to this spot that has the best breakfast biscuits. Like, they put Chick-fil-A to shame. And the restaurant name was this. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you have. It's called Bird, Bird, Biscuit. And, y'all, they will just take a piece of chicken, fry it up, put it on the biscuit, and they'll put this sauce on it. It is so good. I feel like I got to repent after I eat it because it is so good. I feel like I got to get two of them sometimes. It's so good. And so we went there, ordered our food. We sat outside. And as we're sitting outside, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these bees just came and swarmed us, y'all. Apparently, they're attracted to the, to the sauce or whatever, but I won't forget that we're swarming all around us. They were getting on our food. I'm up, I'm, and I see it on Josh's sandwich. I'm like, no, that's a sandwich. I get my hat. I hit it. The sandwich falls on the ground. And then meanwhile, a guy passes by and says, y'all need to chill out and stay still. And I almost wanted to be like, you need to chill out. Come on, anybody ever heard that? If a bee or a wasp lands on you, stay still. I'm like, I am not standing still. I'm not getting stung or, or whatever. I think it's funny. It's called bird, bird biscuit. We're talking about some birds today too. But the reason the bees did that was why? Because they have a nature about them that, that animals, that, that, that living things that we, we have and, and they have a nature about them. What is part of the bee's nature? They have it within them in their nature to pollinate, to go and find nectar, and they are literally attracted, and they will gravitate towards sweet things and sweet fragrances, even if it's miles away. Have anybody ever seen this before? Maybe you're playing basketball. You put a sports drink on the, on the court or something, and all of a sudden bees start coming. Why? Because it's in their nature. Can somebody say nature? And let me tell you what also has natures. Birds have natures. In fact, my, I'm reminded of my grandfather. My grandfather uh, whenever he retired, he would bird watch. I don't know if we have any bird watchers in the place. I guess it's something that people that are retired do or something. Because he would literally spend hours on the back porch. He would have binoculars, and he would just bird watch. And he would have this book. It was a bird-watching handbook, y'all. He was all into it. He could tell you about all the different types of species of birds. Apparently, there's over 10,000 different species of birds. Like, Grandpa, why do you like doing this? You know, there's, there's so many things that you could do. He said, he said it's because... I just 
enjoy viewing and looking at all the different types of birds and the species. And he even said, in nature, there's so many, and they all have different types of behaviors and mannerisms as well. Maybe you're saying to yourself, Caleb, why are we talking about birds today? Why are we talking about a bird watching book? Because let me tell you, when you read a book called the Bible, when you open up the Word of God, you'll often find out that many times animals and different things in there carry uh, symbolism and point towards and, and have a specific nature or characteristic. That when you read the Word of God, when you see certain animals mentioned, it's symbolic of a certain nature or characteristic that they carry. For example, one of the titles given to Jesus is this, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. You know what that was pointing to? That was symbolizing his innocence and obedience and the submission that he had as the perfect Lamb of God slain on the foundations of the earth But I'm also thankful that he isn't just known as the Lamb of God. He's also known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, speaking to his authority and might and power. And he came into this world the first time like a lamb. But I'm thankful he's coming back one day as a lion to finish what he started. So they're symbolic. So I was thinking to myself, isn't it interesting when you read the book, of Genesis, and you read the story of Noah, that Noah, the scripture says, he sent out two different birds. He sent out first a raven, and then he sent out a dove. Why would Moses, who wrote the first five books in the Bible, the book of Genesis, he, he, why would Moses, underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begin to write about these birds and say in particular, because we believe here at Riverside Church that the word of God is in a fable, it is in a fiction, it is in a fairy tale, it is in a myth, it is a legend, but we believe that it is the retelling of history, of God's story with humanity and how God is redeeming his creation. We believe that, but why would he mention it? Why were those two animals mentioned? Now, I can't say for sure, we can't say for sure, but we do know this, that these animals, these birds in scripture, They carry heavy prophetic symbolism, and they have a very strong nature, opposing natures about them. And I want to break this down a little bit. We have a little chart that we want to show you real quick. Check this out. The difference between a dove and a raven from what we see in Scripture and also from what we see in life and follow on because we're going somewhere. First of all, we know according to Scripture that a dove was considered a clean animal. But a raven was considered an unclean animal. That there are times in Scripture whenever God says, this is clean, but then he says, these animals are unclean. For example, pigs in Scripture, in the Old Testament, in the law, it was said that they were unclean animals. That's why the Jewish people did meet them. But then they also had clean animals. Matter of fact, whenever Mary and Joseph had baby Jesus, I believe he was around two years of age or younger, when they went to the temple to make a sacrifice, the scripture says that they had two turtle doves that they used as a sacrifice unto God. Why? Because it's considered a clean animal. A dove is a herbivore. They stick to just fruits and seeds and vegetation. But a raven, on the other hand, it's a scavenger. It will eat pretty much anything especially dead carcasses and different animals. And can you just imagine for a second, 
all the bodies floating, different animals that are out there after the flood of Noah, and all of a sudden the raven gets sent out first, and he's like, oh, come on, somebody, we got a buffet right now. And the scripture says that it went to and fro until the earth dried up, and it didn't go back to Noah. However, the dove, on the other hand, went out, and it doesn't care about those dead things, right? It couldn't find anywhere to land or to, to, to partake of fruit or produce, and it came back. It would, the raven would have much rather stayed outside the ark with death, with death things than to be inside the ark with living things. The dove represents obedience. The raven represents disobedience. For example, you know that pigeons are actually the cousin of the dove? And that during the world wars, and some people even practice it today, you ever heard of messaging pigeons before? Where it's crazy. They will put a message. This is before, many times in these wars, before emails, before texting. And and they didn't want the the enemy to catch these messages. So they would write it. They would attach it to the, the pigeon. And it was trained to go from one point to another, many times, many, many miles away. And they were trained to go from one point to another. Can you, that takes some faith right now. It's like sending something on the front lines, putting a message, like, okay, go ahead and go. It could be an important message, and there was gunfire, there were bombs, there was all these distractions, but yet it stayed its course. The dove was obedient. It represents dependence and independence. Doves are very dependent. They are not self-sufficient. They, they, they stick to what they know. They, they have to, if, you, if people have had it as a pet, they know that, that, that as you feed them, that's where their source of food comes from. But ravens, on the other hand, they're very smart. They're cunning, but they're very independent. They're, I got to find some food. I got to take care of this. The dove represents virtue. The raven represents vice. The dove repre- represents life. The raven represents death. And if you want to go even deeper than this. In scripture, we see that the dove is symbolic of what? The Holy Spirit. That whenever Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River, what happened? A voice came from heaven. The Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus as like a dove. Now, it didn't say it was a dove. It was like a dove. And did you know also that, that when you look at a, a dove, they have nine feathers on this side, nine feathers on this side, five tail feathers in the back. And I find it interesting. There's nine gifts of the Spirit. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. There's a five-fold ministry as well. But many times the, the, the dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. But however, a raven on the other hand, this unclean carnivorous bird points to death, points to our sinful nature, our flesh. See, that's what flesh means. If you see flesh in there, that's another word for our sinful nature. And you may be asking yourself, Caleb, I did not come to church today to get a bird lesson. Why are we talking about birds today? That's for my grandma or grandpa. Like, I, Why are we talking about birds? It's because of this, because this is more relevant to you than you realize, because these two birds, in a similar way, how they couldn't be more opposite and, and contradictory in nature, You do know that every one of us, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, that we have a dual nature warring on the inside of us when it comes to the Holy Spirit. 
but also when it comes to our flesh and our carnality. I, I like to say it like this, that we have a dove nature, but we also have a raven nature. We have part of us that wants to do right, but another part of us that wants to do wrong. We have part of us that craves life and life more abundantly that can only be found in Christ, but we have another part of us that craves sinful things in this world that ultimately lead to death. That as temples of the Holy Spirit, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, the scripture says we go from death to life. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And guess what? That means that you have been empowered to live a pure, holy, set-apart life under God. But we also have at the same time our sinful nature, our flesh, that craves and longs for sinful things. That there's part of us as children of God that is dependent on God to lead us and feed us into the good of the land. But we also have another part of us that is like, I got this, God. I, I can take care of myself. I, 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 got, I, I got myself. I know, I know my strength, and I, I, I can take care of myself. See, there's one part that's led by faith, but another part of us that many times is led by feelings. Come on, do we have any honest people? I'll be the first one to raise my hand right now. I don't care how long you've been living for God. I don't care how long you grew up in church. I don't care how much you have, you know, you how much scripture you can quote. You still have a sinful nature. You still have a flesh that we are born into. See, the scripture says it like this, that we are born into sin. We are born into sin. You, did you ever have to teach your kid how to sin? Did you have to teach yourself how to sin? My little niece, you know what her first words right now are? They're not yes, yes, yes. It's no, no, no. Many times it's not you, you, you. It's me, me, me. I, I, I. It's not give, give, give. It's get, get, give me, give me. Why? Because it is our nature that we have, but I'm also thankful that we don't have to be bound to the sin and our sinful nature, but we can put our faith in Jesus Christ. We become temples of the Spirit, and guess what? God has given us a new nature, the nature of Christ that wants to lead us to life and life more abundantly. Do we have any people that want to be led by the Spirit of God? Because whether you realize it or not, you're being led by one or the other. Pastor Caleb, I need to hear some scripture. Let me give you two scriptures right here. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote nearly half the New Testament, who was the first missionary that established many churches. To be honest, Christianity probably wouldn't be where it's at today if it wasn't for God using a man like the Apostle Paul but even the Apostle Paul, has anybody in here ever written a book in Scripture? No. <laughs> I can answer that for you. This is the Apostle Paul. But yet he says this, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, in my flesh. Can somebody say, in my flesh? See, I've heard it said before like this, that your greatest enemy and my greatest enemy is my enemy. It's our enemy. Sometimes we blame the devil so much, we blame the world so much, but you have more control in your decision-making than you realize in your soul. He said, nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, my sinful nature, for I have the desire. Can somebody say desire? 
to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. In other words, we can't do it on our own strength. We can't do it by our own flesh. We can't do it, but greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. It's not going to be by might nor by, by, by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, that it's the, through the spirit of God working through you that will empower you and lead you and guide you to all truth, to all righteousness, to all peace, to all joy. We can't do it ourselves, but Christ can in us. I feel God's presence, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. That's why the scripture says we've been born again. We are called to be born again. We have been given a new nature. Galatians 5, check this out. It says this, Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul says, Pastor Bobby mentioned this last Sunday, and I think this is a great pickup from last Sunday. Who was here this past Sunday? Pastor Bobby talked about crossing over, eating the good of land. Highly encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Galatians 5, 16 through 25. So I say, let the Holy Spirit Guide your lives. Let's pause there just for a second. Think about that. So you're telling me, first of all, let's talk about this. Holy Spirit, this is not Star Wars. He is, it's not a force. It's not a thing. The Holy Spirit, he is God. He is a person. He has feelings. He has desires. He has wants. He has needs. You know that, right? And it says right here, that we should allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. What makes us think that we know better than God? What makes us think that we are the leader and guide of our lives when we are called to submit to the God who knows all things? He sees all things. He sees all things. He wants us to be led by him. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You see that right there? There's a line in the sand right here. It's either we're going to be led by the spirit or by our flesh, our sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires. Can somebody say desires? Oh, man, I love that right here. Because earlier, you remember it said it earlier. It, it talked about desires early, but how, and we're going to read it more in a second in the book of James. It talks about how the sinful nature gives us desires that can take us away and stray us away. But I'm thankful that it also says that the Holy Spirit will give you. To, see, let me give you an example. Today, I'm sure there was part of you when you got out of bed that said, you know what, let's go to church. We're going to go worship God. Kids, get up because, you know, you're your spirit. But who's being honest? Part of your flesh said, let's stay in bed right now. It's so, it's cold. We can watch it online. No offense to those watching online right now. God can still meet you right where you're at. <laughs> it's just something different about being in the room sometimes. Am I right? Come on, be with me, somebody. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we love y'all. But we said, no. Why? Because every day. Every day is a decision to be led by the Spirit or to be led by your old sinful nature. And he says this right here. It says, and gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Whoa. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. 
So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Anybody ever experienced this before? You know what you need to do. You know what you have to do. You see it. You, you know it from God's word. You feel it in your spirit. But there's another part of you that says, go here. Go there. Do this. Say that. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are, no, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. In other words, when you are led by the Spirit of God, you will just be underneath the, 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 the authority and submit. You don't have to worry about, oh, do I have to do this? I don't have to do that. Am I going to do this? When you're led by the Spirit, he will just guide you. He'll take care of you. It doesn't become about a religious do and don't. It's all about being in relationship with Jesus Christ, allowing his Spirit to reign through you. I know we're going all over the place right now. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, get this, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit produces, come on, say produces, this kind of what? Fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ. Anybody belong to Jesus Christ in this place? Come on, has anybody made Jesus Christ not just your Savior, but the Lord of your life? Okay, if you agree with that, now listen to what we have the responsibility to do. I got you right here. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. I love how we are having water baptisms take place today because we know that the, the baptism, uh, the water baptism is also symbolic and pointing towards the burial of Christ, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that when you go underneath that water, you know in your heart and you know in your spirit, I'm leaving the old man behind in this watery grave, and when the devil tries to come and tip me again and make me stumble again, you can point back and make that be a point to contact and say, devil, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All former things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But we got to nail those passions. We got to nail those desires. We got to nail those, those wants that we feel at times. Some of you, you're facing a temptation. You have this desire to go back to that old relationship, to go back to that habit, to go back to that addiction. And you feel like you're carrying it all by yourself when God is saying, bring it to me, submit it to me, lay it down at my feet. Are you tired? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest and yes sin can be pleasurable we got choir right there oh yeah in the book of Hebrews it says that sin is pleasurable for a season but it also says this I believe in the book of Romans you know what sin will do ultimately it's going to lead to death the enemy wants to he came to do three things still kill destroy 
and he will entice you. You know the enemy knows our cravings. Oh, it's so simple. It's, it's always been the same. The lust of the eyes. In 1 John, it says it like this. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Every sin can be put in one of those three categories. Even with technology and everything. See, he, he knows. But guess what? God also knows that he has a better way. He has a better solution. He has a better path. And it says this, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us be led by the Spirit in every part of our lives. So we see it again. Once again, the Apostle Paul says we have a sinful nature, but we have also been given a new nature in Christ. You're, you have part of you that wants to follow after God, but another part of you that wants to turn up. Hello. Part of you, see, but how, what are we supposed to do now? We know that there's, a, there's an issue. There's, what are we called to do? What's the solution to this? I, I have some good news for you because it's opposite in nature. And here's the only point I want to give you today. It's this. I believe this in all my, with all my heart. You may find yourself in a crossroads today. You might find yourself in the wilderness. You may find yourself just, just stuck in so many things. Like, man, there's, I've been doing this. I, I've, I've been doing this my entire life. Here's the a, here's a point. Appetites can be altered. Appetites, it's true. Cravings and appetites and desires, they can be altered. I don't care if you've been living for the devil your entire life and being like that raven, feasting off of dead things that this world has to offer, being led by your sinful nature. Let me tell you, all it can take is one moment for you to taste and see and experience the goodness of God, for God begin to change and alter your appetite. Because if there's one thing I've noticed, y'all, we live in a world that is so hungry and thirsty. We live in a hungry and thirsty world that is hungry for approval, thirsty and hungry for validation, the acceptance of others, love, joy, peace, belonging, intimacy, success, and all these things. And the thing about it is there's nothing wrong with having a hunger. There's nothing wrong with having needs. But here's where the problem begins on how you fulfill that hunger and how you meet and satisfy those needs. And the problem is, is that many people in the world and even in the church are going to the world and other sources and places other than God to try to satisfy and make them feel content and meet their needs when all along the way God is saying, come unto me. I have a better plan. I have a better diet for you. <laughs> a better spiritual diet, I can fulfill you in ways. See, you're chasing after your purpose. You're chasing after success, and you're comparing yourself to other people at your job, at your work, at your school. But if you would only just trust in me, I want to speak to a young person that's going through high school, and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. Don't give in to the peer pressure. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Be led by the Spirit of God. Let God lead you every single day day because let me tell you that you're going to have needs but here's what the enemy wants to do he wants you to meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways he wants you to meet legitimate needs 
in illegitimate ways. I'm reminded of Jesus. Jesus, after he was baptized, what happened? He went into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights, right? When's the last time that you prayed and fasted? For 40 days, 40 nights. And he was tempted by the enemy. You guess because Jesus is 100% God, but he was also 100% man. He hadn't eaten. And the enemy came and presented three temptations to him. And one of the temptations was, was this. He said, if you truly are the son of God, command these stones to be bread. Can you imagine if Jesus would have been like, okay, cool. No, he didn't do that. You know what he did? He responded by saying and quoting the word of God found in the book of Deuteronomy. When you face a temptation and you don't know what to do, quote and speak the word of God as the spirit of God gives you utterance. And he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds and comes from the mouth of God. The, 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 the sin was not his hunger. The temptation was not the sin. It was how about, it was all about how he would go about fulfilling that hunger and fulfilling that need that he had. But Jesus didn't give in to that. Why? Because Jesus knew who he was. He didn't give in to the temptation of the enemy. And guess what? When he passed the temptations and testing, the scripture says that he came out of the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, what, what is this all about? Our, you know what our prayer is for the next 21 days of this, this prayer and fasting? Our prayer for you for the next 21 days of prayer and fasting is that God would begin to alter your appetite and change your desires, that you would increase, that he would increase, that you would go going all in and we're saying God fill me why because God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble come on does anybody want to see their appetites altered this year this world can't do it this world can't do it. I've talked to people in here that are up in age that tried so many and they said this world can't do it you have a universe sized hole in your soul you got to go all in in for the Lord. Wait on him. Pursue him. He said, when you draw near to me, guess what? I'm going to draw near to you. Jesus said, blessed are those who are hunger, hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So what are we called to do? We got to move on. Because here's the thing about the flesh, once again, you can't cast out your flesh. We've seen demons cast out here at Riverside Church. Yes, that is that, this type of church. We've seen that, but guess what? You can't cast out your flesh. You know what you have to do to your flesh? Like the scripture says in Galatians, you got to crucify your flesh. You got to deny your flesh. That's why Jesus said, anyone who desires to come after me must first deny themselves, pick up their cross. Whoever desires to save their life will lose it. Those lose it will save it, right? It's a, it's a whole paradox. It's the, it's the upside down kingdom 
of God. But here, here's what I, you can feel free to write this down. How are you supposed to be led by God? I, I wrote it down like this, that whatever you feed will often lead. Whatever you feed will often lead. That whatever you feed thrives, but whatever you starve many times will die. And when it comes to our sinful nature, we can't give room to the enemy because sin can grow. But it starts with a desire. But God wants to give us new desires. Check this out. James 1, 13 through 15 says this. And remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Get this right here. Temptation comes from our own desires. Somebody say desires. Which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when a sin is allowed to grow, whoa, sin can grow? Yeah, sin can grow. If we keep it in the dark, if we hide it, it sin will grow in the dark. That's why we got to bring it to the lights. We got to bring it to the Lord. We can't entertain and allow sin. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is not a license to sin. People have perverted, and many times that's what the enemy does. He will, God is the creator, the devil's the perverter. <laughs> he will always pervert and twist God's word. And many people have taken grace to say, I can do what I want. I can say how I want. I can live how I want. And that's a raven nature right there. I can, I'm independent. I can do this. But it's not, it's not a permission to sin. Really, it's a prevention from sin. Because God knows what sin will do. But Jesus came to give us life. And life more abundantly. Amen. Come on, put our hands together for that. Worship team, y'all go ahead and join me. It gives birth to death. Somebody say death. It starts with a desire. Think about that. So sin starts with a desire. <laughs> that many times it starts off with a thought. I've heard it said before like this, that th thoughts are a lot like birds. That when a thought comes in, you can either allow it to stay there and build a nest, <laughs> lay some eggs, you entertain it, and you feed it, or you can say, get out of here in Jesus' name. There's a scripture that talks about casting every imagination and thought and bringing it under the submission of the lordship of Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. Sin, yes, it may start with a thought. And if we entertain it, we act on it, it's born into sin, it's going to lead to death. But you could also say the opposite when it comes to being led by the Holy Spirit. That it starts with a desire. It starts with knowing that you have a need. But I'm not going to fulfill it in this way or that way. I'm going to begin to submit it and bring it unto God. It's, by, it's all about trusting and allowing God to lead you the right way way and that guess what happens right righteous actions are produced from that a lifestyle fall you don't even have to some people they overcomplicate it too much they overcomplicate living for god living a life consecrated to him because they think about 20 years 30 years and they think about their own strength but let me tell you don't overthink it think of it day by day Every day. You know the word of God says like this, that my, his mercies are new. Every morning. 
God has fresh mercy for you every single day. That where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Does that mean that we should sin more so great? No, certainly not. I'm quoting scripture right now. He doesn't want you to live in a life of sin. It may be pleasurable. I don't, I don't care what other people are doing or what other people are saying or what the culture or what this world says. For me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're not going to feast off these dead things. We're going to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, I'm a, I'm a pretty practical person. I'm a crier, okay? I'm just a crier. I've just, if I feel God's presence, I just can't help but to cry. I feel God's presence in this place. He's, he is so good. God is so good. He is so merciful. He is so real. He loves you so much. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to keep you the way that you are. It's time to leave it at his feet. It's time to lay down that sin that so easily entangles us and trips us up. God's going to get mad at me. He's going he's gonna, to, he, it's too late. I've gone too far. No, 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 that's a lie. Yes, he hates sin, but he loves you. You think God's mad at you? He's more mad about you. He's madly in love with you so much that he's willing as a good father I got to go on. I got to give you, I'm a practical person, y'all. I want to give you these three steps. There's three ways. I, I believe if you follow this out, I believe that you can see appetites altered in your life. You, you can feel free to, you got that slide right here. Three ways that we can see. And I felt like God gave this to me just the other day. And I think it's interesting how it's parallel. Because once again, in the book of Genesis, we, we see three times when Noah sent out the dove. Three different occasions. But if you want to see breakthrough or change in your life when it comes to your habits or your appetite, I believe that there are three stages. The first one is this. It starts with the desire. Can somebody say desire? It starts with a desire. A desire to pursue God. A desire to follow after. Many times, like, we, have, we all have desires. But we got to learn how to submit those. For some of you, many of you are feeling this desire right now. You've never fasted before, but you have this desire on the inside. I got to fast something. I got to do something. I'm going to go all in this year. I, it starts off with a desire because, remember, it goes back. Sin, it starts with a desire. But also when it comes to being led by the Holy Spirit in Galatians, it says he has given us a new desire. But check this out right here. Check this out. After your desire, you have the responsibility as a disciple of Jesus, to be disciplined. Disciplined enough to follow and trust after him in obedience. Even when your flesh wants to go this way, you say, no, I'm being, I'm determined and I'm disciplined. I'm staying on this track. And this is where many times, this is why many times believers aren't fruitful in their life. And they're in and out, and they're double-minded because they're stuck in the middle. 
and they need to have, and you may be saying to yourself, oh, you know, I can't be disciplined. You, you don't know how long I've been in this habit. You don't know how long. If you can turn away from it once, you can turn away from it again. And let me also tell you, it's not just going to be by your own strength, but by the Spirit of God, because what's one of the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of, one of the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of self-control. Discipline. Go with the Spirit. I'm reminded of just the, the dove. Can you imagine the self-control that it took for that dove? It, see, it started off with a desire. I got to find the fruit. But once it found it, the second time, it had to be disciplined enough to say, I got to stay obedient to my assignment and mandate. And it came and brought it back to Noah. And it was then that Noah knew the world is drying up. Fruit is being produced. But here's the next thing right here. I love this. After you desire and you stay disciplined, guess what it's going to turn to? It's going to turn into a delight. Where you go from this, I want, that's desire, I want. Do I need? That's discipline. To I must. It's so ingrained in my DNA spiritually. I've tasted and experienced too much. I'm not going back. I'm staying the course. I'm delighting. I'm reaping. It says it like this. Do not grow weary in good doing, for you will what? Reap a harvest. If what? You don't give See, what the enemy wants to do, he wants us to get stuck right here and not move on to delight. Oh, there's going to be times of discipline for these next few days, but God wants you to eat of the good of the land. And can you imagine that bird when it went out the third time and it found its spot and it got perched up and everything? It, it, it's like, I'm staying right here. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay in it. Come on, does anybody want to see their appetites alter today? Can we stand to our feet today? Thank you, Jesus. It starts with a desire. And I love this because when you think about it, that dove, it wasn't content with a sample. It wanted, its own, it wanted its own supply. Let me encourage you, don't be content with just sampling God on Sundays. Because that's what many people do. They sample God on Sundays. They go through the religious motions, but then for the rest of the week, they go off with their own supply and their own strength. But for these next 21 days, let's decide, God, I'm not just going to sample you. I want you to be my supply. I want you to be my lifeline. I want to go on. I want to move forward. I don't know about you, but I love going to H-E-B on Saturdays. I love going to H-E-B Plus on Saturdays. You know why? Because that's when they have all the samples out. Come on, anybody be on Sam's Club? And honestly, I don't have an intention to buy any of the food. I just want to try some samples. I'll repent afterward, but come on. Have you ever had a sample before? You think that they're just doing that so that way you can just, they can waste their own money? 
And you can have all you, no, no, no. They're doing that so you make a transition from just experiencing a sample to say, this is so good. I got to go all in and get my own supply. Come on, somebody. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I think that's what God wants to do. He wants us to go from just sample it to him being our supply. Here's my conclusion I want to give you today. If y'all have it, Jesus doesn't want to be a sample. He wants to be your supply. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just pray together right now in this moment? I feel God's presence right now in this place. I believe that God just spoke. I know this was a convicting message for many, and that's great. You're supposed to be challenged when you come to church. You're supposed to be edified and equipped. If, you don't, if you're not challenged, you won't change. God has more for you. He has a plan. He has a future. He has a hope for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, right now. Come on, if you're in this place and you haven't given your life to Jesus, right now make this decision and commitment right now to say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I've done things my own way. I've been led by my own sinful nature. I've been led trying to do things my own way, but today I want to be led by you. Just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent. Change my mind. Change my thinking. Jesus, I believe that you died. I believe that you rose. Come on, make it personal. Say, Lord, maybe you got to rededicate. Recommit right now. Say, Lord Jesus, right now, we're crossing over. We will eat the fruit. We will eat the good of the land. God, we thank you, Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord, for every person in this place, God, for every person under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, that by your spirit, God, you are beginning to touch hearts and touch minds. God, right now, we bring everything, Lord, underneath your lordship. God, we decrease, you increase. This year, we don't want to be led by the raven. We want to be led by the dove. We don't want to be led by our flesh. We want to be led by the spirit. Help us, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your word says that in your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Can we just begin to raise our hands? Can we begin to worship? I believe that God is just ministering to people. Maybe watch online. Can we just begin to worship him before we leave this place? Come on, he is so good. I believe that God is moving. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just get focused in right now. Just receive right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.